Well, good morning, everybody. Um, that was our prayer at the start of this series, wasn't it? Um, remember we started and we looked at the living church and we said, when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Remember we, we thought, what did Jesus mean when he said that? And we looked in the, at the start when uh, we looked at how Peter's confession was what Jesus would build, build his church on. Those who confess that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. And we realised in that first week that the church is not a building of bricks and mortar or it's not even a group of leaders organised and gathered together. It's not even a pastor or a, or a priest. It's actually a living church of living people who have a living faith in the living Lord Jesus. That's the living church. And remember at the end of that first week we gathered together and we said, if this is who the church is, wouldn't it be just incredible to pause through this series and to look through the scriptures and to say, God, what are you calling us, the living church, to do? Because if we will figure out and find out what it is you're calling us to do, we will give everything that we have to do what you're calling us, the living church, to do. Can you remember we said that first sort of week? And here we are uh, today singing, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to me. We're saying, God, we are your people. We're your called out ones. We're the ecclesia, the gathered ones. And now we've come to learn so much more about what you're calling your living church to do. We've learned that God has called us together to love him, to worship him to love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and that we exist now to bring praise and glory to God and to worship him. I love it doing that corporately together as the living church. I love it doing on my own and every day. It's wonderful to praise him. But not just to love him. We're called also to love one another, to, to love one another and care for one another. A new commandment I've given you that I love one another, that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love. Not only to love God, but to love one another. And we also learnt that what God wants the living church to do, the church that is built on faith in Christ, is to grow, to grow from being little bitty babies to mature disciples of Christ. Uh, we've learned that God just doesn't want us to stay believing some things. He wants us to keep growing in a dynamic faith where we grow stronger and stronger, where we thrive no matter how far we're along in the journey of following Jesus. And then last week we gathered together and we said, God wants his church to be a serving church. A living church is a serving church. And we talked about how God's given each of us passions and skills and abilities and he's placed us right where we are to serve one another. To serve one another. Remember we talked about the, the feet. Imagine going to gold class and you forgot to put your feet up, you know. 
That's what happened to Mandy and I. And we said, imagine looking back and thinking, there were some people that had gifts here and we never knew they were here right amongst us serving. And you heard, if you're a musician, singer, tomorrow night, come along, be part of that. But you know what? There was once a, a seaside community and what they, what they did together was they realised that they were right in a really strategic position because there were rocks outside uh, on the, in the ocean near where they were and they were in a position where often what would happen is ships would come or there'd be swimmers that would be ripped, uh, caught in a rip and go out to sea and that people were actually starting to lose their lives and drown right around where this seaside community was. People didn't want people to die. So what they did was they started to form a life-saving club and they built just a little, uh, a little building there that would house the lifesavers. And they gathered together and they said, there's a real need out here, right out there. There are boats that are uh, sometimes smashing and getting shipwrecked. There are people that are going swimming, getting caught out in the wreck and they're losing their lives. We need to do something about it. So they had this meeting and they gathered together and they were passionate about saving lives and not too long into it, there was a uh, shipwreck and some of these lifesavers went out and saved the people. There were people that had drowned and started to drown and they saved them, they pulled them right out of the water and they, it was great. And the years, first year, second year, this little life-saving group in this seaside community was so vibrant and excited about saving lives. And eventually what they started to realise was if they're going to keep saving lives like they had, they needed to upgrade their building. You know, they needed to make it a little bit better so, they could so that the lifesavers could be cared for better in their building. They started to train people on how to save lives. They started talking about lifesaving uh, together amongst the lifesavers. They started to raise funds together so that they could recruit more lifesavers and reach more people that were uh, dying. Before long, some of the people that had been around a little bit longer than the others, started to say, these facilities aren't as comfortable as they once were, uh, you know, as they should be for us. If we're saving lives, we've got to make sure that we have comfortable surroundings. So they put in air conditionings, they changed the lighting, they upgraded the life-saving centre. A few years later, uh, local government sort of... Uh, said to them, you know, you could make a lot more money if you sort of started serving drinks in there and holding parties and doing things like that. And you can get where this is going. Before long, instead of teaching people about saving lives, they started just holding functions. And what happened is people started to die out on the seas and the people in there were saying, send someone else to get them. Look after someone else because they'd been so caught up in what they wanted to do, looking after their own needs, that they missed the very reason they began in the first place. A living church loves God, loves one another. They grow. They serve one another. But a living church must never, ever forget that the very reason they exist is so that other people who don't know God, who are far from a saving relationship in Jesus Christ, are dying. And they live in a world where people 
are drowning, are dying, are losing their lives. And without Christ, they face an eternity in hell. And a living church is one that says people matter to God. People are important. Their lives, their destinies, where they are going is absolutely crucial. And we can never get insular. We can never think about our needs as primary while people are dying. And you know the great danger, church? When there's no dying people in the church, often they don't have a voice. You know, like we sit down together and we say, well, how do we want our worship to be? Well, there's all of us who have been saved for a long time and love to worship God. But there's no one in that group that says, can you think of someone who's never been before and how they can start to become a worshipper of God? We think about a group or a, or a kind of program that we might run and most of us think how we as Christians would love to, to think about that. And we can design programs all to meet our own needs because there's no one in the group or in the circle that's advocating the not already, the not saved yet people. A living church cares about lost people and gets about serving the world. Not just serving one another, but serving the world and caring for them. You know, the church was never intended to be an inward people. It was never meant to be a clique. And many churches are, are, are dying today, maintaining what they've always done, how they've always done it, and keeping inward focused. And if our goal is nothing more than maintenance, we're not a living church. God wants us to serve the people we know who aren't his followers. God wants us to serve those who we would normally not rub shoulders with who are in our area. And God wants us to serve the whole world to go and reach all people with the kingdom, with the gospel. The best way we can serve those who don't know Jesus is to be his witnesses. It's to take and to share the good news of the gospel. In fact, when Jesus uh, stood before he was taken up to heaven, the end of his earthly ministry, he gathered his disciples around him and he said to them these words. He said, go into all the world. Go into all the world. Go. And in John 20 and verse 21, when the disciples saw him after he was raised from the dead, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I want you to go. I want you to go into all the world. And, and Jesus, when he uh, gathered the disciples together in the first chapter of Acts, he said these words to them. He said, and you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. Now, when Jesus said these words, he was talking to his followers and they were in Jerusalem. That's where they were, right there. And he said, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to start where you are. I want you to start right where you are right now, being witnesses where you're living. I think he meant in your own household, on your street that you live. I think he meant in your town. And then Jesus says, I want you to go to Judea and Samaria. And and that's like the country next door. And Samaria happened to be a different different place. It was different culturally. It was different uh, racially. So he said, I want you to go to those who are nearby. They might be right in the facility, but they're nearby. They're different. And then he says, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to reach everybody. I want you to reach everybody and be my witnesses. Uh, notice the word witnesses, what Jesus says there. I want you to be my witnesses. I think it's really interesting that he uses the term, I want you to be my witness. Um, what Jesus is, uh, he didn't use the term, I want you to be my defence lawyer. You know, I'm going to defend God to you and I'm going to show you in every way why he is who he is. He, he didn't say to him, uh, he didn't say to the, the people, I want you to be my uh, salesperson, you know, to make God look really good. So I kind of show you all the benefits and really build him up so you'll think that he's fantastic and you'll buy in to him. He didn't say that. You two have a line in their new album um, which goes, stop helping God across the street like a little old lady. Sometimes we do that, don't we? Sometimes we kind of think God needs me to uh, make him look really good because otherwise people won't understand who he is and we kind of treat God like a little old lady that needs to be really helped and and carefully taken across the street. But I think he calls us, he says, we're to be witnesses. We're to be witnesses. And do you know what a witness is? Just simply someone who tells what they saw. I mean, they don't make stuff up. They don't change the circumstances to look better than what it is, but they just simply tell the the court. They tell the police. They tell the judge just what they saw. I saw this and then I saw that happen. And do you know what happened then? (laughs) This is what happened. And they just tell. Nobody can be a better witness about what's happened in your life than you. Did you know that? There's no one else that can tell more accurately what God has done in your life than you can. You know it. And the truth is that being a witness is just telling others the truth about what Jesus has done. So Jesus says, go. Go. And be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the question we want to ask ourselves is, okay, what, what does that mean for us? And I think a living church serves the world in these three different spheres. 
the first place I think that the living church really serves the world by being witnesses is here. Oops. There we go. By serving those who are in our world. In our world. When Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, I think he's saying, start with those that are closest to you. And don't, you don't have to go out of your way to find these people. I mean, they're your family. They're people you wake up every day and start having breakfast with. If there's your husband or your wife is not a follower of Jesus, start being a witness as you eat breakfast, you know, just uh, in the way you, you treat each other, in the way that you live. If your children are not followers of Christ, if they don't know Jesus, you can be a witness every moment of your, of, your, of your family life. At work, at school, you can be a witness. In the city of Wodonga, in Albury, right where you live, start with people in your, in your world. I think, start thinking, who do I see every day? Are there people that I'm bumping into all the time? Is there people I sit next to at work every day? Are there people who I buy a newspaper off every day? Are there people who I just happen to have to call or they drop in every day? It's really whoever crosses your path is the people who are in your world. And Jesus... uh, He'd healed a person. Uh, he, he'd, oh, sorry, he'd talked to a lady at a, at a well in John chapter 4. And just as they were talking, he revealed to her who he was. And, and look what it says in John 4, 28 and 29. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She discovers, Jesus reveals himself to her and then she just goes and says, hey, come and tell. She tells people in her world, she's a witness in her world. Jesus also healed a man. His name, he said his name was Legion. He was filled with demons. And Jesus healed him and his life was transformed from one of utter turmoil and just horror to being peaceful and calm. Jesus healed him completely. And, and when that happened, the man wanted to go with Jesus. In fact, he begged Jesus to let him follow him. But Jesus said to the healed man, look what he said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town, how much Jesus had done for him. What a difference it makes, someone living in Wodonga, a changed life. Can you imagine Legion going around and people going, oh, is this the same bloke? You know, Is this the one who was just filled with demons and now here he is? And, and imagine the, the incredible difference of a changed life in you and the people of Albury, Wodonga and the places around where you come from seeing the difference in your life and being a witness amongst the people there. I wonder why we don't do this more. I wonder why we don't witness right amongst those around us more. I think we kind of believe the, the lie that people, we think people aren't interested in spiritual issues. You know, we kind of think that people want to just have their own sort of little private worlds and, and not talk about spiritual issues. But the truth is, I think that 
Nothing could be further from the truth. People are hungry for spiritual conversations. People are looking for meaning in their lives. And do you know what? I just think it's going to get so much more and, and, and more longing in people's lives. We've been through the drought. Many people feel dry themselves. And many people are just longing for, for more than, than dryness in their life. I think we've seen with the economic downturn, there are people that are getting frustrated and thinking, surely there must be more than buy more, spend more, have more. You know, there's got to be a better creed to live by than that. And people are longing to talk with people who know God and who have a personal relationship with Jesus. I think Jesus says, be my witnesses right where you are, in, in your Jerusalem, in your world. And Peter put it this way in uh, 1 Peter 3.15, that we should be always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have. And I just think with this, just, just tell what Jesus has done, the difference he's made. You were once like this and then you put your trust in Jesus and this is the difference that he's made. In, oh, everything's not perfect. But gee, he's changed my life. And I know that he's with me every day. I know my sins are forgiven. I know that I'm looking forward to eternity with him. I know that I can love him and love others and grow and serve others and serve the world. You can just tell that. Be prepared. And whenever an opportunity comes, share what Jesus has done in your life. A living church is full of people that know Jesus have a genuine, real faith in him and seek to share him with others in their world. And this is how I've been hearing people doing it. I heard about a school teacher in our church who said, found himself one day standing before a class of students and just gave them an hour to ask any questions about his faith. Now, he's been impacting their lives by teaching them. But then for a whole hour, they just sort of ask questions. So what is it, who's Jesus to you? What does it mean to be a Christian? What is your faith? And they were riveted. They loved finding out more about that. I heard about a new Christian not so long ago who actually became a Christian and shared with me the, the challenges of the different responses with people in his family as he told them about the decision he'd just made. And, and you know how some of, the, some of the responses were good, some were not so good. But he was sharing what Jesus had done in his life. You know, as a church, a living church, all of us gathered together, we want to help each other witness to those in our immediate area. Yeah? We want to help each other do that. And one of the ways we do that is we try and make every single service just understandable to everyone. So whether you've been a Christian for many, many years or whether this is your first Sunday, we just hope the service is pretty clear and understandable for everybody. You know, we're not talking about dumbing down. We actually have some really deep 
things to talk about. And we often get into deep discussions about big issues here on Sunday morning. But whatever we're talking about, we want to make it something where someone who's here for the first time could still understand and not be excluded. And what that means is that whenever you're witnessing in the community, in your family, wherever you are, you can feel confident to invite someone along to a service, to just say, come, come, like the woman at the well said. And we want to help each other in our witnesses by providing services that are like that, where you'll be welcomed where you'll be loved just for who you are. Another way that we do this intentionally is during the year, we have special services where we go all out, kind of, to, to welcome people that you, might be in your area so you can invite them to services. That's Easter, that's Christmas, and that's uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day especially. We actually intentionally shape services there for people who might be coming for the very first time. And what we try and do is make sure that they hear the gospel clearly on that day in a way that they can understand. Um, do you know, in just a few weeks' time, uh, April the 12th, Easter Sunday, we've, we've been putting together a service now for a few weeks and it's going to be called Thirst. You know? And we're inviting the whole of Wodonga, putting something in everyone's letterbox, uh, talking about the fact that our country, our, our country is hungry and longing out, thirsting for, for rain. And, you know, many of us ourselves are thirsting for more in our life. And what a great time then at Easter to tell them about the one who said, you know, if you take the drink from me, out of you will flow rivers of living water. What a great time to tell them about Jesus. And what he's done for that. So if you're witnessing as you are, if you're a follower of Christ and he calls you to witness in Jerusalem, why don't you think about, are there people who I meet with every day that I could invite to this service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, this thirst Easter service? And and what about if I got them along and prayed for them? and, And as I've been witnessing to them in my own times when I interact, what an opportunity to bring them to that service. There are other ways that we as a church together want to help each other in our witnessing. And one is just having small groups that are open, you know, that can invite a friend to. You know, like people might not want to come to a church service, but if they come to a place where you just open the Bible together and talk naturally and normally about Jesus without saying, oh, you don't know where to look up the Bible, or gee, haven't you even read this before? You know, where they can feel loved and accepted in a small group. What a great opportunity to do that. So you can help in your witnessing by just inviting people to a small group. I think there are other groups that we have that you can just intersect in your daily life by witnessing. Think of playgroup. If you're a mum and you've got kids, mums and kids go to playgroups, don't they? I think that's normally what happens. So you can say, well, I can actually just in my normal day come to our church playgroup and I can rub shoulders with other mums who might not know Jesus yet and just get to know them and show God's love to them. And perhaps you might even have a friend who you met in your mother's group who you said, I can bring along to playgroup. That would be a great way of just in your normal day being a witness. I think the same as if you're a mother, we've got Mothering Matters starting up next term. And if you, you would love to know more about what it means to just be a, a mother who can uh, you know, help as you bring up your, your, your children. And what a great way just to invite another mum to come along. And together you can witness with people in your sphere as well.
I think there's other things like crafty creations. If you love doing craft, why not invite somebody else or come to craft and meet with other people who might yet not be followers of Jesus and witness as you love sharing craft together. Can you see how natural and normal this is in your world, this taking place? Men's ministry. We had a great men's breakfast yesterday. And what a good time it is just hearing people naturally sharing about how we can be men of faith. And what a great opportunity to do that. And uh, let's look at uh, the, the you know, upcoming dates and just invite men that we know that we rub shoulders with to be part of that. First thing, living church serves those in our world. We care about those right here in our Jerusalems. Um, a living church also, though, just doesn't serve those in our world. We serve those beyond our world. And when Jesus said, I want you to go to Judea and Samaria, it's like the country next door. It's, it's like uh, the Samaritans who were next door, who were different culturally and different racially. And so he said, I want you to go nearby and they're going to be different to you. They're not normal people that you would normally rub shoulders with. So a living church serves those who they don't normally just rub shoulders with. They go out of their way to meet people who normally wouldn't just bump into each other in. I think love means more than just staying within our comfort zones, don't you think? I mean, if we just stay where everything's comfortable, we wouldn't meet people from different backgrounds or we wouldn't meet people from different education areas or different levels, uh, different languages or different tastes or different styles or different age groups. So Jesus knows that people are facing eternal, uh, eternal separation from Christ without knowing him. And so what he calls us to do is care enough to go beyond our sphere, beyond where we are. Paul wrote it this way when he was thinking about stepping out of his comfort zone to reach others. He said, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Now, this is hard for us because we think we know what we like and what our preferences are. But I remember hearing an incredible story. Louis Palau is an incredible evangelist who was just filling stadiums and sharing the gospel. And, you know, at one of these things, he was, it was a, a crusade or a rally that was meeting young people. And, you know, many people were very upset because he had loud music there. You know, he had all different kinds of loud music and rock and hip-hop and all that. And one of the reporters came up to Louis Pelé and said, Louis, you know, we didn't know you love hip-hop music. And he said, I don't love hip-hop, but I love the people who love hip-hop, and so does Jesus. And what he was saying is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to this in a pink fit, you know. But there are people who love that, who do listen to that, and if I can help reach them through this means, that could even win them as well. And I think it's a difference between a church that sits and says, I want to make things that suit me to one that will say, I'm going to reach out of my comfort zone. How do we do that as a church, a living church? How do we seek to do that? Well, we seek to move beyond our own comfortable world. You know what happens each week? 
CRE teachers stand nervously before a bunch of young primary school people and they tell them about Jesus. Is that because they're comfortable there? I don't know of any CRE teachers that say, this is the easiest thing that I could do, stand before young kids and tell them about Jesus. But these CRE teachers actually get trained, go amongst you know, Melrose Primary, Barrandoota Primary, go to all the different primary schools. And we send out people from our church to go beyond the comfort zones. I was talking to someone just yesterday in one of the inquiries course that said, you know what, when I wasn't a Christian, my favourite day was Tuesday because it was CRE day and I just soaked up every bit of it. Now she's, she's loving um, Jesus and that was one seed that made a difference because somebody went beyond their comfort zone. What, what else? We've got now a brekkie program that started. You, you may have heard a little bit about this, but down at uh, one of the local high schools, we've got some young people that gather there early Friday morning and make pancakes and just cook them for them. And, and young people come and some haven't had brekkie and some just come and they eat a pancake. And the whole desire and prayer is that in these conversations, relationships may be built you know, and, and there might be an opportunity for some people to come to know Jesus and not spend eternity separated from him. You know, oh, it's a pancake. I don't like pancakes. I'm not going to do that sort of stuff, some people might say. It's not about the pancakes. It's about eternities. And that's what they do. I mean, there are so many other things. We have food bank. You know, you, you bring food. That's the only way we get food to give out is you bring extra food and put it in and away it comes. And people come and, and we take the food over and right during the week, people that are hungry come and get food and they must walk away from our church thinking... Now, something's going on here. I'm getting food. Somebody thinks I'm special. Somebody loves me. Life force courses to help people that are struggling in different areas and need recovery and need to get back and and, and to help in their lives. It's a great course that we run. Mustard seed. There are people from our community who have just faced brokenness and hurt and they really don't want to know Jesus so much. They just want help from the pain. And yet... We're able to sit down with people through the mustard seed counselling, go out of our comfort zone to reach people and to share with them and to help them with the hope that some of them might come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Are you getting the hang of getting out of our comfort zone um, in in this way? I mean, we could... uh, go on and on about different ways our church is seeking to do that, but how are you doing that? Are you going beyond? Matthew 25, 36. Every single time we get out of our comfort zone, what we're doing is actually really um, doing what Jesus called us to do. At the end, when we stand before God and our lives have come to an end, this is what we're here. For I was hungry Jesus saying to us, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Every time we do anything in Jesus' name, we're serving beyond our own world. And that will help. And Jesus will see every one of it. There are some people in our church who are serving beyond their own world. And James and Carolyn Punton are at, uh, on campus at La Trobe 
uh, Uni Wodonga. And we just thought, hey, right at this time, in the midst of this message, wouldn't it be great just to hear from them and hear what they're doing beyond their own world? So why don't you welcome them as they come and just share what they're doing. for giving us this opportunity to share with you um, how we're going at La Trobe Uni in Wodonga. Um, James and I are now well into our second year now working and well as being trained by the AFES, um, which is Fe Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students um, group at La Trobe. Uh, this past year, like last year, we're thinking back on particularly, has taught us a lot about ourselves and about God. He's taught us about ourselves in terms of our weaknesses, but our gifts as well and some of our simple habits. It's also trained us to become more like him in, his, um, in the way that we think. It's challenged us and our beliefs in who God is and, and what he can do through us. But often has also left us feeling quite um, out of our depth and probably feeling a bit inadequate and maybe incapable. But we especially praise God because through his grace, we have seen fruit through this ministry and we believe God will continue to do that in us, but also particularly in growing the the student ministry on that campus. Today we want to give you uh, just a quick outline on what the AFES mission statement is and how we are trying to reach those goals on the campus that we're on. So AFES mission um, has four step, um, I suppose, of four main strategies in how they wish to reach students on campuses right throughout Australia. Um, the four are, number one, evangelise students by proclaiming Christ Jesus as Lord. Two, to encourage growth toward maturity in Christ. Three, to train students in their skills and character to serve Jesus and his people. And four, to then send graduates throughout Australia and the world to serve Christ. So James and I will just um, talk through these. I'll go through the first two and James will come out and do the next. So number one, evangelise students by proclaiming Christ. So Jesus is Lord on campus. Well, in some simple ways, we're doing this every day that we're there, three days a week between the two of us. Um, we run a uni Bible study group and what we do um, as on campus is probably being now to be seen the most active and well-known student group on this group, on this campus. Uh, we're probably not the most popular in the sense that where everyone likes us, but we certainly are recognised and that's what we want to be doing. The outward marketing of Jesus through postering. Every week we're putting up new posters. We're writing chalk on the ground. We spend um, time quite um, visually and being there quite openly on O-Week and during any other um, time on campus where there's a lot of other student groups as well. And we also do walk-up evangelism. And these ways have helped us put Jesus on the forefront of many people's minds. Many students or staff as well who might not have ever wanted to consider Christ have through maybe um, us almost forcing it on them, have had to think, who is Jesus? And that we think is a good thing. Um, some of them obviously don't want to and they'll bypass it. Others go, wow, okay, tell me more. So that's what we're doing. But primarily, the biggest thing we think is we believe that students will come to know Christ through personal relationships with Christians. And so our main aim is to reach the students for Christ through um, building relationships and through especially encouraging the students the Christian students to be intentional with their relationships with their own friends on the campus. So we run a Bible study um, class on Colossians once a week on a Wednesday um, to help those students, the Christian students, um, invite their own friends along as the message on these Bible studies are quite simple and the gospel is presented every time. 
We also hope um, in the second semester to run an evangelistic event as well, so where we'll be um, running a few events, I suppose, to uh, be able to invite their friends along as well to hear about Jesus in that way. So that was evangelising students. Number two is encouraging growth towards maturity in Christ. So that's meaning those who've come to know Christ, we want to see them grow. So in order to reach the world, Christians, we believe, they need to know what they believe. But they also need to be confident in who Jesus is so they can share him as well. So we beat, um, James and I both meet one-on-one in a mentoring relationship with a few students as we hope to get to know them better so we can help them where they're at. Some of the Christians are still very young in their faith, whereas others are ready to be leaders of others as well. So we want to help them where they're at. The, the group that we've established on campus, Uni Bible Study, or known as UBS on the, group, on the campus, is where students as well spend time with each other. So they meet together weekly, um, studying God's Word with us, either on a Wednesday or on a Tuesday night. We share meals together, we grow to love one another, and we encourage each other in our faith. So we do hope to see all Christians um, that we meet with to take forward steps in their faith whilst at uni. James is going to do the rest. Thanks. Thanks. You'll have to forgive us. We're slightly tired. We've just come back from a, a university camp. We just, uh, just, I just did two talks in Psalms yesterday. Spent the afternoon in a raging mud fight in a dam with 25 uni students and then climbed up a hill at about 11 o'clock last night. So uh, please forgive us. We're not the best. Uh, thirdly, AFES plans to uh, and strategy is to train students in skills and character to serve Jesus and his people. Once students hear and believe the gospel, AFES wants them to be equipped to work for God's kingdom. This year uh, on campus, we've started Tuesday night training. Latrobe and CSU students uh, combine and meet weekly on campus over a meal on Tuesday nights. Uh, Tuesday night training focuses on helping students understand faith and Christian doctrine, to know it well, and then have the practical skills to take it to the world. We hope to see students mentoring each other, uh, praying with each other, and leading each other and reaching the world for Christ together. We're studying the nine foundational doctrines of the Christian faith together on Tuesday nights. We also attend various camps and student conferences throughout the year for intensive training, and this helps us to be unified with other students throughout Australia and the world uh, in this mission of sharing the gospel on campus. And lastly, the strategy of AFES is to send graduates throughout Australia and the world to serve Christ. By the time students are leaving campus and uh, us, we pray that they're thinking that the greatest thing they've gained on campus is not their degree and a step into their career, but the greatest thing they've gained on campus is that they know and love Jesus and they'll devote the rest of their lives to serving Him and sharing Him with others. The end goal of AFES is that when students finish uni, they are ready to be missionaries in their workforce they're prepared to serve and train others in their churches and maybe become full-time ministers of the gospel locally or abroad. Uh, that's a much more fulfilling and useful life than just living for the next pay rise. And in finishing today, we'd just like to thank God for you. Thank you for your faithfulness in supporting us in this mission uh, through your prayers, through your thoughtful conversations uh, and through your financial giving. We certainly cannot do ministry like this without the body of Christ behind us as well. In order to finish this year, we need to raise uh, more financial support. Um, in two weeks' time as a church, you'll have an opportunity to support us and the work on campus financially. Our financial goal for this year is $19,000 between us. Currently, we have $10,000. So praise God that we're well on the way. 
uh, please prayerfully consider uh, giving financially to us. Another option would be to support us with a small amount on an ongoing basis. Um, so please come and see me in the foyer afterwards if you'd be interested in uh, finding out more about that too. Your financial partnership provides a living wage for us and also contributes to the running costs of campus ministry. So please, uh, please give generously. And lastly, please continue to support us in prayer. The strategic vision of AFES is to employ a full-time um, staff member on Albury-Wodonga to minister to the roughly 3,000 university students uh, in this area. Could you please pray that someone will be raised up who is suitably theologically trained and ministerially qualified to minister to that many university students in this area and to partner with all the local churches. And lastly, could you please pray, uh, like the Apostle Paul, that, um, that God may open the door for our message at the Trobini so that we can proclaim Christ clearly. Pray also that the Christian students will be united in love and growing towards the full riches of understanding in Christ. So thank you very much, like we've said, for your support. And thank you for your ongoing prayer uh, and ongoing encouragement. Thank you. So what a clear example of people serving beyond their world. Uh, I think um, James is doing some banking and scaled that down and chiropracting, is that a physio? physio and both scaled that down so they could get out of their comfort zone to help others. Um, so in two weeks' time, you know how we often have communion and we also have a, an offering, a one-off offering? We're going to be dedicating that in two weeks' time on the morning service for you to just bring a one-off gift as well at that time. And so we've talked about um, being a witness in our own world. We've also talked about being a witness beyond our own world. Uh, Jesus also said that we were meant to be being witnesses throughout the whole world. Uh, he said, go into all the world, into all the world, and preach the good news to all creation. Why don't we read that together from go? Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. That's what Jesus said to us. And when he was saying that, he wasn't just saying it to pastors. He wasn't even just saying it to missionaries. He was saying it to every single follower of Christ. He, he was talking to ordinary people who were following Jesus. And if you're a Christian, what Jesus says is, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will help you catch men if you'll follow me. And so when he calls us to follow him, he wants us to bring our fishing rod and be catching other people as well. And so the question this morning as we just conclude is, how are you? How are you reaching the world? How are you witnessing to the world? There are uh, so many ways that you can be doing this. And the first thing we want to hear is for you to hear is, God, is, is God's word to go, meaning that you are physically being called to get up and go. Is that what he's saying to you today? We'll respond wholeheartedly to that. What's happened, we're, we're very excited, is Marg and John Docking have just shared with us just a couple of weeks ago about the fact that they feel strongly that God is calling them to Uganda and to, to serve in Africa. Uh, we're, we're very excited about that. They're so convinced that they've bought tickets 
and they're going in just, a, just over, a, I think, three weeks' time, isn't it, Marg and John? Yeah. So that's exciting. And what they're going to be doing is John's going to be building the capacity of uh, plumbing, the plumbing department in, in a TAFE there. And so he's going to be building the capacity of the plumbing department and the workshop so that people uh, who are orphaned youths, who are very, um, you know, at risk, they've, they've, they've been orphaned youths that have had a very hard life, will be able to learn both sanitation and sheet metal work. And they'll be able to be helped in that way. Marg also will be serving as a midwife and she'll be helping um, in, in midwifery clinics where so many women give birth to so many children without someone there just to help them. And so Marg will be doing that crucial work as well. So what we're going to do in just two weeks' time, the same day that James and Carolyn are having their offering, is we're going to have a commissioning service as well, morning and night, for Marg and John. And we're going to say, we're standing with you. We're with you as you go. We're sending you. We're partnering with you in sharing the gospel to all the world. Another way that we share the gospel to all the world is through adopting a people group. And we've been adopting a people group now for almost three years. So it's the Yao people of Malawi. And you know that. And we've been meeting and we've been praying together year in, year out for the Wilmonts. We've been praying for the Gervins. And now we've been praying for the Keens as well. And the Wilmonts have come and come back to Australia now and they're serving amongst Indigenous people. But now the, the, the Gervins and the Keens are right there amongst the people of Malawi, the Yao people. And we continue to pray for Scott and Catherine and for Amy and Rachel. And we continue to pray for Graham and Pan Keen as well. And we continue to hold them up. Just in a, in, in a few months, they're hoping that they'll be able to have translations of Luke, Acts, Ruth and Nehemiah to be in the hands of the Yao people as a translation team are working hard to put that together. And it's exciting. And every time we pray for them, every time we give towards what they're doing, we're taking the gospel to the ends of the world. We're helping them as well. Um, May Mission Month is coming up very soon just a week and a month and a half away. And, and we're going to be looking again at what, how we can support the Yao people, what needs they can do. And we'll be sharing all that with you um, during the month of May so we can keep supporting their work. Uh, we also have a passion at this church to help those in the persecuted church that are by themselves, that are, are, are struggling away, getting persecuted for their faith. And, and we, every, every year we seek to uh, help and to listen to the work of the open doors and support them as well. Many of you have responded and uh, supported children through compassion and continue to give every month to those those people, those children that are really poor. And that's just so important, so valuable. Shoe boxes at, at Christmas. We just seek to really fill up that garage as Sharon Cleggett, you know, collects all the shoe boxes for us so kids can know that God loves them. I think this is just exactly what the gospel is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. For God didn't just so overloved those here in Wodonga who know Jesus already, but he so loved the whole world and what a challenge it is to us. You know, we say that thriving means that we share Christ no matter what the response is. Do you know, 
I've never met someone who said to me, I'm feeling spiritually dry. Finding my quiet times hard. I'm getting a bit bored with this whole faith thing. And by the way, I've just been helping lead someone to the Lord. Have you ever found that ever happen? I mean, have you ever sat down with someone who said, falling asleep in my quiet times, finding it hard to pray, but you know what? I've just led someone to know Jesus. It's not either or. It's both and. And when you share the gospel as a witness to Christ, as you love, as you grow, as you serve, the living church is not about maintaining or keeping. It's about taking the gospel, being a witness to people in our area, beyond our own world and to all the world. And that is a living church. I get in trouble sometimes from people, from all kinds of people. They say we want it to be this way or we want it to be that way. But I will never apologise for seeking to encourage all of us to never forget that we're in the midst of a community where there are dying people far from Christ. And that's why he's got us here. Let's be the living church with all that we can. I'd just love you to watch this uh, little short um, video and just love you to think, how can I be someone who does all that I can to welcome a lost person and understand their hurts and help them come to know Jesus.
Let's pray, shall we? God, we're so thankful that you sent your son to die for us. Uh, We had been running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. God, we thank you that you reached out and saved us through people that cared enough to spend the time to be witnesses for you. God, we pray for our church that we would always have an open door for the brokenhearted, for those that are far from you. And Lord, we pray that we would be those that would help welcome and love people and lead them to a saving relationship with you so that lives are changed forever. God, at at this time, we just thank you so much for all that you've given to us and pray that you'd help us to share that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Just in these moments that are remaining, we'd love you to take out your blue.